Gonzaga tips off the 2024 WCC season with a home matchup against Pepperdine, who they have not lost to since 2002. Any reason to believe the streak could be in jeopardy tonight? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on y'all welcome into the lockdown zags podcast part of the lockdown podcast network your team every day i am your host and longtime gonzaga podcaster andy patton here to bring you news and updates on all things zag athletics today's episode of lockdown zags is brought to you by fanduel make every moment more folks right now new customers get 150 dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet that's 150 bucks in your pocket if your team wins so visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started we're going to preview Gonzaga versus Pepperdine today. We're also going to discuss our five keys to a victory for the Zags. We're going to close out the show with a discussion about the women's team as they themselves get into conference play against Portland on the road. But we're going to start with the Gonzaga versus Pepperdine game. Mark Few, Lorenzo Romar yet again going at each other January 4th, 7 p.m. Pacific time. It is a late one. Make sure you have that afternoon coffee, folks. KHQ. For those of you in the Spokane market, the game will be on Root Sports Plus, which is different from Root Sports, as some of you have discovered uh, earlier this season. I know we had some controversy trying to find that game. Uh, it will be on Fubo has Root Sports Plus. There's a handful of other places that have Root Sports Plus. That's for people in the Portland, Seattle kind of areas outside of Spokane, but uh, far enough away that they aren't in KHQ. And then ESPN Plus for those fully out of market uh, who are not in the Pacific Northwest area at all. This is the start of WCC play for Gonzaga, kind of a fresh start uh, after a, a disappointing 2023 for the Zags with their four losses, of course, culminating in that loss at home to San Diego State on December 29th. Uh, but that is out the door. We are in a new year, new portion of the season, so we are trying to focus on getting through conference play, potentially unscathed here at least against WCC teams. We'll certainly see how this team is able to perform against Kentucky on February 10th. But uh, the Zags currently have a 45-game win streak against Pepperdine. They have not lost to the Waves since 2002. They're 49-2 and overall against this Pepperdine team, and they have never, ever lost at home. All of those streaks are in jeopardy as they always are in these types of games. We're going to meet this Pepperdine team and then talk a little bit about what Gonzaga needs to do to ensure a victory. And frankly, Pepperdine under coach Lorenzo Romar has kind of had the same shtick. They've had talented players. They've had NBA caliber players. They've had actual NBA players in uh, Max Lewis, who's currently playing for the Los Angeles Lakers. Kessler Edwards a few years ago was in the NBA. Uh, I believe he's washed out. I'm not actually sure where he's playing right now, but he definitely had a couple of quality seasons uh, as a bench big in the NBA. But they haven't been very good. In fact, the last couple of years, they've been quite bad under coach Lorenzo Romar. It is not too dissimilar from Romar's stint, uh, stint excuse me, as the head coach of the Washington Huskies. Uh, again, at a more premier program, he had significantly more NBA talent and yet continued to underperform in the win-loss column. Uh, this year, currently through 15 games, the Waves are 7-8. and eight. They started the season with a, with a solid 3-1 and one record, have gone 4-7 and seven since then. Two of their seven wins have come against non-Division I basketball programs. Their other wins is a who's who of not particularly well-known programs. They have wins over Idaho State, Lafayette, Long Island, UC San Diego, 
and William and Mary. Uh, their losses, they have a handful of quote-unquote good losses. They have a loss to Colorado and New Mexico, two almost certainly NCAA tournament teams. They have a loss to Indiana State, one of the better mid-major programs in the country. They have a loss to UNLV, who is probably not an NCAA tournament team unless they win the, the uh, Mountain West Conference, but they did have a big win over Creighton and have won some really good games this season. They also have a win over Irvine, which I wasn't sure whether to put that in the good or the bad column, Irvine did beat USC, but right now it kind of feels like anybody's beating USC, so I'm not sure what that means. Their bad losses, uh, Louisville, which is always odd to have them considered a bad loss, but uh, Pe Pepperdine got beat by 22 points to Louisville, not a game that you would expect to lose, especially this season under Coach Kenny Payne. They also have two more losses in the Big West to UC Davis and Cal State Fuller Fullerton. Ken Palm currently has the Waves at 220th. They are pretty even offensively and defensively, 206th in adjusted offensive, offensive efficiency, 222nd in adjusted defensive efficiency. From a tempo perspective, they come in at 197th. Right now, the Zags are favored by 19 points at Ken Palm, who projects the score at 85 to 66. And really, there's not a lot that this Pepperdine team is particularly good at, particularly on defense. They're currently averaging 5.2 steals per game. That is 331st in the country, one of the worst teams in all of college basketball at generating steals. They are also allowing opponents to shoot 51% on two-pointers and 35.2% from three. Again, Gonzaga has not been a particularly good three-point shooting team. They have found their groove at times in home games against poor defensive teams, perhaps Thursday night is an opportunity for the Zags to kind of right the ship from beyond the arc and find that outside shooting stroke. But regardless, if they do not, this is not a team that defends well around the rim either. They have one great rim protector. We'll talk about him momentarily. But outside of that, this is not a particularly good defensive team, which should allow Gonzaga to get up into the 80s, 90s, maybe even higher, uh, and, and maybe again kind of rebuild some confidence after a, a stressful end of the month of December for Pepperdine. They also only shoot 68.6% from the free throw line and only 45.4% from the field, not an efficient offensive team. They do shoot about 34% from three, not elite by any means, but at least decent enough that you had to keep them honest. They have a handful of, of very good three point shooters on this team. They recently returned a very good three point shooters team. They are led by two guards though, Michael Ajayi and Houston Millette. Ajayi's averaging 17.3 points, 9.5 rebounds. He's a six foot seven guard from Kent, Washington. So he is a, a very good rebounder, very good scorer, averaging two assists, shooting 55% from three. Now, this is on 2.4 attempts per game. So he's not a, a volume three point shooter, but he is a knockdown three point shooter when he is open. He is a player that Probably Anton Watson is my guess, depending on Javon Porter, uh, how much he plays. I think Watson will probably guard Ajayi for a lot of the game, maybe Dusty Stromer as well. He's a player you've got to keep an eye on. He can really light it up. Houston Millette is a name that should be familiar to those of you who have been watching Gonzaga the last couple of years. He has been a, a key cog in the machine for this Pepperdine team when they had Maxwell Lewis, when they've had handfuls of other very talented players uh, in the system as well. Millette this year averaging 16.7 points. 
3.7 boards, two and a half assists. He is also shooting 40% from three. That is on 5.3 attempts per game. So he is much more of a volume shooter than his backcourt teammate, Ajayi. Both those guys are definitely players you want to watch on the perimeter. And then I think a big key for Pepperdine right now is the return of Javon Porter. Javon Porter missed most of the season with an injury. He is the younger brother of Michael Porter Jr., the starting small forward for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, he is considered the preseason. He was considered the best NBA talent in the entire conference. That is probably still the case, although Adama Ball from Santa Clara is certainly in that conversation at this point. Regardless, Porter has returned for three games. He is averaging 10.3 points, five rebounds, and 1.3 assists. And notably, he is shooting 38.5% from three on 4.3 attempts per game. Porter is six foot ten. So we're talking about a six foot ten stretch four who can shoot 38% from three on four attempts per game. That makes him a matchup situation for the Zags. Porter and Bubakar Kulabale are the only bigs on this team. They're both very skinny, which is a good good news for Graham Ek. Kulabale though is averaging about 10 points, eight boards, and three blocks per game. We're going to talk about what that means for Gonzaga and what Gonzaga needs to do to start 2024 off on the right foot. We're going to talk about my five keys to a Zags victory on Thursday night, all coming up after a word from today's sponsor, Game Time. Maybe you missed out on last-minute Christmas gifts for somebody special. Maybe you like to get somebody gifts for New Year's. Who knows? Either way, you are in luck with Game Time because now you can make it up to them by buying last-minute tickets to a big-time conference matchup with Game Time. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all of the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee. Game Time has exactly what you need. You should not have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next event. And thankfully, Game Time has got you covered. They have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after events start. It's the perfect place to find last minute seats. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Again, create an account, redeem code Locked On College for twenty dollars off. Terms do apply. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right, segment two. Still any patents? Still Locked On Zags podcast. Still talking Zags versus Pepperdine. Thursday night, 7 p.m. Pacific time. I talked a little bit about who Pepperdine is this season. I'm going to talk now about what Gonzaga needs to do to make sure they come out of the kennel with a victory, continue that home winning streak, continue that overall winning streak, and start WCC play off with a 1-0 record. And number one, we kind of touched on it a little bit in that first segment, but it's pretty simple. Pound the ball on the paint. And this is a key for a lot of games, and frankly, it is what Mark Few wants to do. Every single night the game starts, you pound the ball in the paint to the rock or give the rock to Graham E.K. That's what this game should look like. Plenty of Graham E.K. early and often. If it's not E.K., it's Watson. If it's not him, it's Braden Huff when he comes in the game. But put the ball on the block and let the big fellows go to work. E.K. had 20 and 10 against San Diego State. He should be able to have plenty of success here against the Pepperdine Waves. They are a less physical team. Uh, They're... 
if he can do 20 and 10 against San Diego State, he should be able to thrive against Pepperdine. He should be getting the ball every possession, particularly early. Establish the paint, establish the post early in this contest. See what you can do uh, to put some pressure on Pepperdine's defense. Uh, again, if it's not Graham EK, you have Anton Watson, you have Braden Huff. I don't mention Ben Gregg, not because he's not a, a key part for Gonzaga, but because they don't really utilize him as a low post scoring threat. He is more of a floor spacer when he is on offense. He certainly is capable of going down low, but the real threats, at least to get the ball on the block and score really are Graham EK and Braden Huff. And then to a, a lesser extent, Anton Watson, he's capable of doing it. They just don't utilize him like that because he has more versatility offensively. Similar to that same note, key number two, get Bubakar Kulabale in foul trouble and convert at the free throw line. Pepperdine puts teams on the free throw line more than almost anybody in the country. Opposing teams average 39 free throw attempts per game against Pepperdine. That is a staggering amount of free throw attempts for opposing teams. This is a huge key for Gonzaga. Get to the line, draw that contact, and convert when you get to the free throw line. Kulabale, we mentioned him earlier, he averages three blocks per game. He is a prolific shot blocker. Perhaps the best in the conference, maybe outside of Mitchell Saxon over at St. Mary's. Kulabali is a very good shot blocker. And the thing about him is he does avoid fouls. For three blocks per game, he's averaging 1.2 fouls per game. This is a strength of his a USC transfer. He's really learned how to utilize his size, his length, uh, to, to be a, a prolific rim protector without consist consistently getting in foul trouble. But if Gonzaga can find a way to get him in foul trouble early, that is a vital piece for this game because they do not have depth behind him. There is no size behind Kulabale on this roster. There are a handful of six, seven, six, eight guys who play big, uh, who are okay, but most of them are, are foul machines because they struggle to defend bigger uh, players on the other team. So for Graham EK, for Braden Huff, if you can get Kulabale uh, in the air, if you can get him on you can get your get his arm on top of you and throw your hands up and draw some contact. Get to the charity strike. That's a huge key for Gonzaga. And then again, you got to convert there. It's not just good enough to get Kulabali in foul trouble, although it really helps. It's also nice if you actually put those points in, the free throws. They call them free for a reason. Now, Gonzaga has been much better at the free throw line recently. I think they were about 78% uh, against San Diego State. That was a big thing that kept them in the game against the Aztecs was the ability to convert from the free throw line. If they can continue to be solid at the free throw line while getting Pepperdine into their lack of depth off the bench, that could put this game away potentially pretty early. Key number three, Zach's got to defend the perimeter. They have to, have to, have to defend the perimeter. Pepperdine's not going to kill you inside the paint. They're not. They don't have that. Kulabali is a decent offensive player. He averages about 10 points per game, but he is not a focal point for them offensively. Michael Ajayi is a good driver. He's a good mid-range scorer. He can beat you in multiple different ways. But at the end of the day, the way that Pepperdine beats Gonzaga, the only way that it happens realistically is if this team is lighting it up three that is how a win happens now they have 18 three-pointers per game which is not a huge amount but do not be surprised if their strategy coming into this game is to space the floor go four out five out potentially and try to make gonzaga or swing the ball around try to prevent gonzaga from having every all their bases covered and hitting open threes javon porter is going to be launching threes houston millette's going to be launching threes ajayi is going to be launching threes this is going to be the strategy for Pepperdine. Again, Porter's only played three games 
and he's shooting over four attempts per game. So that like low amount of threes per game for this team is probably going to continue to climb now that Porter is back. Now that he is in the mix as a player who his NBA career, his professional career is kind of predicated on him being able to consistently space the floor and stretch the defense as a six foot 10 player. That's what he's going to attempt to do in this game. That's why I think Anton Watson guarding him is critical or even Ben Gregg guarding him when he's in the game. You don't want E.K. or Braden Huff pulled away from the rim, so you put somebody else on him who's more of a capable perimeter defender. Now, Steve Stromer is going to have a really big role in this game defensively, as he so often does. I think it's pretty likely that if Porter's in the game and Watson is guarding him, that Stromer is guarding Michael Ajayi. That's their team's leading score at 17 points per game, and he's a solid three-point shooter. One of Nolan Hickman or Houston Millette, or excuse me, one of Nolan Hickman and Ryan Nembhard is going to be on Houston Millette. Millette's 6'5", so he's going to have some size on either of those guys, but he's not he's he's not a particularly great low post scorer or even driver. He's adequate, but he is a good three-point shooter, so you've got to have somebody out on him at all times. Also important to avoid transition threes. Pepperdine's not a great transition team, so I don't think that's a huge concern necessarily. But if they are out in transition, I wouldn't be surprised if they space out, uh, go out to the wings and try to get themselves an easy three-point bucket that way. So another area that Gonzaga needs to avoid if possible. Key number four, same key that we had against San Diego State. It's going to be a key throughout the season. We need a big game from Ryan Nembhard. And frankly, Ryan Nembhard had a decent game against San Diego State. People are going to focus on the 0-5 from three, and I get it. He is a bad three-point shooter this year. There is no other possible way to discuss it. He is he was expected to be good. He has been very bad. That is the reality of the situation with Ryan Nempart as a three-point shooter. But that does not mean that he has not been good this season. And again, 15 points, nine assists, five rebounds. You hear that, you're always going to be happy with that from your point guard. People are upset with Ryan Nempart right now, and I get it, I understand. But 15 points, nine assists, and five rebounds against a good defensive team in San Diego State, that is a quality offensive performance. However. We need to see more from him. We need to see him step into WCC play on a positive note. This is a big opportunity for him to kind of prove that 2023 is in the past, flush it out of his system and start conference play off with a big game and a victory. It is a confidence booster for him. It is a confidence booster for the fan base in him, for the coaching staff in him. It is a vital piece for Gonzaga to have Ryan Nembhard operating at or near his best because we haven't seen much of that from him this season. Ethan Anderson is likely going to be matched up with him. Ethan Anderson is a former USC player, former Wyoming player, uh, has now transferred to Pepperdine. He is a solid point guard. He is a veteran point guard. He's not a great defensive player. Hopefully Nembhard can play well enough in the first half and the rest of the team can play well enough as well that he can get a break in the second half because they're going to need him against San Diego on Saturday. It'd be a really good opportunity for him to, to rest the last eight, nine minutes of this game, perhaps with Dusty, or excuse me, with, yeah, Stromer sliding to the two with June Sukio coming in to play the three. Maybe even in the last few minutes, you get Joe Few in the game as well if the Zags build a big enough lead. A lot of that's predicated on Nempard having himself a very good game. Key number five, also kind of related to the Ryan Nembhard and Ethan Anderson matchup. Zag's got to force turnovers. Force turnovers get out in transition. Ethan Anderson has been a walking turnover his entire collegiate career. This year is a fifth-year senior. He's averaging 2.4 turnovers per game. Anderson has averaged 1.8 or more turnovers in four of his five college seasons. He has the ball in his hands a lot. Millette plays more of the two. Ajayi plays more of the three. 
and and Anderson is the guy bringing the ball up the court. He's the one getting them into their offense, but he turns the ball over a ton. We have seen Gonzaga have that very sticky defense, that prickly defense where they're getting in passing lanes. They're stripping the ball away. They're getting out in transition that way. It hasn't been as prevalent the last few games, although when they went into that three-quarter court trap against San Diego State, we saw it be highly effective. Uh, I think the reason that they pull out of that trap in that game and the reason we don't see it as often is just a fatigue issue. Guys can't hold, can't continue to run that as long as they do just because of the depth on this roster. But for Gonzaga, if they can force early Early turnovers from Ethan Anderson. If they can get easy buckets in transition off those turnovers, that's the way you build an eight-point lead into an 18-point lead, and that's the way you get the crowd engaged in the game, and that's the way you bury an opposing team and can get some of those starters some rest later in the contest. We're going to close out the show discussing the Lady Zags who begin conference play at Portland on Thursday night. But first, let's talk about today's sponsor, FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the college basketball hours stay hot on and right now, new colors can get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's $150 in your pocket if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time than right now to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use, and there is a wide range of betting options, which includes spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Right now, the Gonzaga men's team is down to minus 195 to win the WCC. That still feels like pretty easy money to me. So if you want to join me in that, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get in on the action this college basketball season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right, second three, folks. Closing up the show today, discussing the ladies' tag, Lisa 48, and the women's basketball team who also begin their conference play on Thursday. They are on the road at the Child Center in Portland, Oregon, taking on the Portland Pilots. The ladies have finished up their non-conference season with a 13-2 and record. They are currently up to 18th. In the AP Top 25 is the first time they have been ranked higher in the men's basketball program in the AP poll since 2014. That is not because of a lack of success on the women's basketball side. That is more a testament to how highly regarded the men's basketball team has been in the top 25 in the last decade or so. Regardless, the fact that both programs are ranked, the women's basketball team is inside the top 20 proof that basketball is doing just fine over in Spokane, Washington right now. And the Ladies Eggs have an opportunity to do something really special this season. They are 13 and 2. They'd love to have that loss against Eastern or excuse me, against Washington State back. That is a tough one for them. But again, 13 and 2 is fantastic. The win over Stanford, of course, is extremely great for this this program. That is a huge part of the reason that they are ranked inside the top 20 right now. And now they have an opportunity to potentially go undefeated in WCC play. We'll talk about how much they need to do that, but let's first. Talk about what they start the season off going up against. The Portland Pilots won the WCC last year. They upset the Zags in the WCC tournament. They got an automatic bid in the big dance. It was a great storyline for Portland. Portland was the team that should have been in the NCAA tournament in 2020, uh, and they got robbed of that opportunity because of COVID-19. So seeing them get back into the big dance was a heartwarming story for Portland for the WCC. It was, of course, not a great story for Gonzaga as that loss 
knock them down to getting a dreaded nine seed in that eight nine line. They, of course, were unable to even win their first game against Ole Miss. Ole Miss then went ahead and upset number one seeded Stanford. It was kind of distressing to see that all happen for the Lady Zags, but they managed to return basically everybody from that roster to kind of run it back this year. Portland was unable to do the same. They got gashed very badly by the transfer portal this offseason, lost a ton of key contributors from last year's team, and they have not been able to replicate that success from last year into a successful start to the 2023-24 season. Currently, they are 8-6 and six on the season. They are 99th in the net ranking, which is third in the WCC. They do have some quality wins. Their best win is against Oregon. Uh, they beat up on former Gonzaga coach Kelly Graves and the Ducks. They also have a win over San Diego State. They have wins over UTEP, Portland State, and a road victory over Seattle U. They also played Stanford and got beat very badly. 30-point loss to the Stanford Cardinal. That one was on the road for the Pilots. They also have losses to Rhode Island, to NAU, to Cal Baptist, and a 24-point loss to Villanova. So again, this team is just not at the same level as the team that they played last year. They're still a decent team in the WCC. They're still a team that could give Gonzaga some fits if we're looking at the most challenging conference games the Lady Zags are going to play. On the road at Portland is certainly on that list, and for them to have to start with that contest could make this one a little bit more interesting than perhaps many of the other games in conference play are going to be. The Pilots do shoot 34% from three as a team, so they are capable of, of, of making a lot of shots from distance and potentially putting some pressure on Gonzaga's perimeter defenders in that situation. However, the Pilots also average a whopping 18.5 turnovers per game. That is a staggeringly high number for the ladies that enforce turnovers, get out in transition, quiet the crowd at the Child Center. This should be an opportunity for them to pick up another solid win, move to 14-2 and two on the year, and continue, or I guess start their quest to go undefeated in conference play. Because right now, that's really important for the ladies' acts. More important than it's been in many years past, because they have an opportunity to get themselves a really favorable seed in March. Right now, the ladies' acts are 15th in the net. 15th. Again, ranked 18th in the AP poll, 15th in the net. They are considered a team on that cusp of being top four seed in the NCAA tournament, a top five seed at worst right now in the NCAA tournament. However, there is nobody in the WCC that is going to help them achieve that goal. Portland, again, third in the WCC in the net at 99. Santa Clara is second at 65th. After that, nobody else is even in the top 150. Any loss in conference play is a bad loss. There are no good losses left for Gonzaga. They do not have the ability to lose any games and not have it significantly impact how they will be treated on Selection Monday for the w, the women's basketball NCAA tournament. Every loss from here is a bad loss. And this team is too deep. They are too experienced. They are too hungry. They are too well-coached to lose any of these games. It is hard. It is hard to go on a winning streak as long as this one will be for, for the ladies' acts. It is, nobody said it was easy. Last year's team was the clear best team in the WCC. They still lost a road game to Santa Clara. They still lost to Las Vegas to the Portland Pilots, and it cost them dearly in the sense that they landed that nine seed. But they brought everybody back. 
They lost Michaela Williams to the transfer portal. She went to Cal. Uh, everybody else is back. Brennan Maxwell's back. They're a sharpshooter from distance. The transfer from Utah. The Trung twins are back for another run as the starting guards. Bonnie E. Jim is back. She looks like a legitimate candidate to be selected in the 2024 WNBA draft. The way that she has been playing this year as a low post scorer, as a gifted passer, as a quality defensive player. Uh, Eliza Hollinsworth's back. She's been a fantastic piece for this team as well. This is a very, very deep team. They play their starting five. They also have Callie Stokes playing a huge role off the bench. This is a really good team, and there is nobody in this conference that competes with them super legitimately. It does not mean that they will go undefeated, but they know that they have to. They know that that's the position that they are in because if they go undefeated, if they finish the season with two losses, it is really hard to imagine any scenario where they are not a top four seed in March. This is that would be a huge, huge victory for Coach Lisa Fortier. Uh, so many people had concerns about what was going to happen to this program when Coach Kelly Graves left, and there has been no dip, no dip. They've had a few seasons that weren't as good as they wanted, including last year. A nine seed who loses in the first round is considered a, a weaker year for the women's basketball team, but this year they could do something unprecedented. Be a top four seed. Be a top three seed. I think it's possible. I think it's unlikely, even if they go undefeated, just because the strength of their resume is just not going to be that good. Uh, even with some of the big wins they had in the non-conference, they're just not going to pick up any quality wins from here on out, which is unfortunate. It is not their fault. It is just a product of being in a conference that isn't really serving them all that well from a women's basketball perspective. We've talked about this, the additions of Oregon State and Washington State. While they're not moving the needle significantly on the men's basketball side, they actually have a huge uh, they're going to improve the women's basketball conference in a significant way. So that is a really nice benefit. But for right now, ladies eggs start with Portland on the road. They got to take care of business there to continue their quest to potentially go undefeated for the rest of the season and earn themselves a fantastic seed in March. That's going to do it for us today here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day. We'll be back on Friday with a review of the Gonzaga game against Pepperdine. We'll also preview Gonzaga's Saturday matchup against Steve Lavin and the Toreros of the University of San Diego, all coming up on Friday's show. Thanks again for listening. And until then, as always, go Zags.